fairy tales, children's stories about magical and imaginary beings and lands, often the first lens we give young minds to view the world they live in. Many assume these are fictional stories to be taken lightly, but what if there is more to them? This is a podcast where we'll tell you some myths and tales that you thought you knew, and we'll show you how they are connected to real-life crimes today. This is Scary Tales, where the stories of your childhood meet real-life horror. We'll discuss how the light and happy tales of youth actually have a darker history to them. We'll also discuss true crime today and some of the eerie connections they have to the myths and legends of yesterday. Tune in for a new tale every other Tuesday. You can find us on Spotify, Apple, and anywhere you stream your podcast. Hey guys, it's Lacey here and it's just Lacey this week because unfortunately I at some point got either food poisoning or the stomach bug, but just in case it was contagious, Hannah stayed at home so we wouldn't infect her or baby Emma. So it's just me this week, and I have to say it's really weird talking to myself, and it might be weird listening to just me, but we have had several people say how similar our voices are, so maybe if you just close your eyes, you can pretend that Hannah and I are both here. Uh, She's here in spirit, but uh, so yeah, it's just me this week. Hope you don't mind. It is, well, I think it's going to be a tiny tale this week, so maybe it'll it'll just be short and sweet and you won't, and next week Hannah will be back. But uh, today I thought we would cover another nursery rhyme. And I asked Chase, I said, what should we call these episodes where we cover nursery rhymes? And he said, he's so good at this, just drop of the hat. He said, naughty nursery. And I said, that sounds inappropriate. So I think we're just going to go with tiny tail. Uh, Anyway, (laughs) today we're talking about London bridges falling down. I'm sure everybody remembers that song from from when they were young. Uh, If you didn't, I am going to read it to you. And you probably only knew the first part. So the poem is actually very long and the lines repeat. So I'm going to only read you the first like stanza from each line. I don't know if I use stanza correctly, but a haiku is 757 or 575. I, I, that, see, I'm failing and my, Hannah, my literary teacher, is not here. But anyway, I digress. Here we go. London Bridge is falling down, falling down, falling down. London Bridge is falling down, my fair lady. And that's probably the part that everybody knows. And now I'm just going to say the first line of every stanza. Uh, Built it up with wood and clay, my fair lady. Then the next line says, wood and clay will wash away, my fair lady. Build it up with bricks and mortar, my fair lady. Bricks and mortar will not stay, my fair lady. Build it up with iron and steel, my fair lady but guess what iron and steel will bend and bow and uh, and it'll bend and bow and it'll bend and bow my fair lady so you should probably build it up with silver and gold my fair lady but silver and gold will be stolen away so you set a man to watch all night watch all night watch all night suppose the man should fall asleep fall asleep fall asleep my fair lady then the last lines are give him a pipe to smoke all night smoke all night smoke all night give him a pipe to smoke all night my fair lady if you are living in america and you heard this well at least here in the south i always heard it as um london bridge is falling down something something 
lock her up and hide the key, my fair lady, or something like that. I remember something about somebody getting locked up, right? And we'll get to that in just a second. So this tune is, of course, classic. It's a classic nursery rhyme, and it sounds playful, and the game might appear innocent, because who didn't play London Bridges as a child? But there are some sinister theories about where it originated, and some scholars believe that the English nursery rhyme tells the story of a Viking attack, while others think it's about human sacrifice. So that's just kind of like the bread and butter here of scary tales, breaking things down to their dark histories and past. And we're going to do the same thing today. So if you aren't familiar with the game London Bridges, in this game, two children link their arms to form an arch of a bridge while the other kids take turns running underneath them. They continue to run through until the singing stops. They're simultaneously singing London Bridges, and I guess they knew more lines than I did as a child. Um, And then when the singing stops, the arch or their arms fall and someone is trapped in between them, kind of like musical chairs almost. And that person is eliminated and the game is repeated until there's one player left. So go try it with your kids, where you might not want to after we discuss the meaning, but here we go. While the song was first published as a nursery rhyme in 1850s, many experts believe that London Bridge is Falling Down dates back to the medieval period and possibly even before that. According to the Oxford Dictionary of Nursery Rhymes, similar rhymes have been discovered across Europe in places such as Germany, Denmark, and France. And it wasn't until 1657 that the rhyme was first referenced in England during the play the London Chanticleers. What is that from? That See, now I'm just talking to myself because he's not here. What is that movie where it's like Chanticleer? What is that? Chanticleer. Mm, I'll, I'll look it up when we're done. Um, anyway, it, so it first appeared in this play, The London Chanticleers, and the full rhyme wasn't published until 1714 when it made its debut in Tommy Thumb's Pretty Songbook. So 1744. A long time ago. And as you can see, this history is kind of vague, and it shows that the actual author of the rhyme still remains a mystery. However, the most commonly accepted origin story for the rhyme is that of the London Bridge actually falling down in 1014. So, could be just very literal. Um, In 1014, Viking leader Olaf Haraldsson allegedly pulled it down during an invasion of the British Isles. And though the reality of that attack has never been proven, the tale of it inspired a collection of Old Norse poems written in 1230. So even further back, that's a long, long time ago. And this these collection of poems contain a verse that sounds close to the nursery rhyme. It translates to London Bridge is broken down, gold is won, and bright renown. So there you have it. But that wasn't the only event that could have inspired the London Bridge rhyme. Part of the bridge was damaged in 1281 due to ice damage, and it was weakened by multiple fires in the 1600s, including the very famous Great Fire of London in 1666. So it basically what that's saying there is that it has a lot of history of damage, and so it's most likely that the whole poem is just very literal the London Bridge was quite literally falling down for years and years. So despite all of its structural failures, the London Bridge survived for 600 years and never actually fell all the way down, as the nursery rhyme implies. 
When it was finally demolished in 1831, it was only because it was more cost-effective to replace it rather than repair it. So that's theory number one. The other dark theory behind the bridge's longevity maintains that there were bodies encased in its moorings. The author of the book, The Traditional Games of England, Scotland, and Ireland, Alice Bertha Gome suggests that the London Bridge is falling down rhyme refers to the use of a medieval punishment known as immurement. And I think we can do a whole episode on immurement. If you guys want that, you can let us know. If not, we'll probably do it anyway because it sounds fascinating to me. But uh, immurement is when a person is encased in a room with no openings or exits and left there to die. So basically being buried alive, but in a room. This torture was based on a brief on a belief that structures like buildings and bridges would be more sturdy and stable if a person was entombed in the foundations. Alice Gome, that same author, points to the lyric, take the key and lock her up. See, that's what I was saying. America, the Americans knew, knew the real lyrics there. She took those lyrics as a nod to this inhumane practice and believed that the sacrifices may have been children. A lot of times in immurement history, the sacrifices were children sadly but yeah we we should do a whole episode i I literally just looked to the side like i was talking to hannah um we should do a whole episode on a mirror and being buried alive because there's a long history of that and it would be interesting to me i don't know let me know so thankfully this disturbing suggestion that people are being buried in bridges has never been proven and there is no archaeological evidence that suggests it's true In the bridge, at least, there is archaeological evidence of other immurement cases. But in addition to the mystery behind London Bridges falling down, there's also the matter of the fair lady. Who is she? Who is the fair lady? Some believe she may be the Virgin Mary. That's where my mind goes to. I don't know why. Um, And that is part of the theory that the rhyme is a reference to a centuries-old Viking attack. Supposedly, the attack happened on September 8th, which is the date when the Virgin's Mary, uh, excuse me, is the date of Virgin Virgin Mary. <laughs> um, Virgin Mary's birthday is traditionally celebrated. So you can kind of see the tie there. But because the Vikings were unable to take the city after they burned the London Bridge, the English claimed the Virgin Mary, or Fair Lady, protected it. So, yeah, I, I would say... That's on, that's on theme. That's on brand. I, I could go with that. However, there are a few royal consorts who have also been mentioned as potential fair ladies. So a few of them here. There is Eleanor of Provence. She was a consort of Henry III and controlled all London Bridge revenue in the late 13th century. Then there's Matilda of Scotland, who was a consort of Henry I, and she commissioned several bridges to be built in the early 12th century. I like how all these consorts, it's just like, you might not be my wife, but you can have some bridges. Here you go. The last potential candidate is a member of the Lee family of Stoneleigh Park in Warwickshire. This family dates back to the 17th century in England and claims that one of their own was entombed under the London Bridge and as, as an alleged human immurement sacrifice. So there's nothing there to point to that other than that claim. While none of these ladies have actually been proven to be the fair lady, it, it's kind of fun just to leave it as a mystery. She can be anybody, anyone you want. You could be the fair lady. Maybe, oh, you could be her for Halloween be a fair lady under a bridge make a bridge out of cardboard you heard it here first uh 
this is so strange talking to myself now you just get to see in in my mind so we don't know who wrote the song we don't know what it's really about we can only point to to a couple places in history but it it was fun to look this up and at the end of the day i think it's just simply about a bridge that's had a troubled pass had some difficulty had some fires had some rain had some ice But either way, the nursery rhyme continues to be one of the most popular and well-known in the English-speaking world. So we don't even have to have an answer. It's it's just good, and we'll leave it at that. Oh, you know what I was just thinking about? I'm talking to Hannah in my mind. London bridges the game when the when your arms fall, when the arches fall, and you trap the kid inside. That's like that's like you're immuring. Is immuring a word? It's like immurement. And now everyone go go outside play it with your child um and teach them use it as a learning tool immurement is not good we don't bury people in walls but what we do 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 is we we need a snack break and um it's really unfortunate that i had food poisoning this week because this is not looking good for me and i'll catch you in a second It's an unfortunate snack break. Maybe they have these out because of Stranger Things and Eleven likes waffles. This isn't an episode on Stranger Things, but I did see these at Walmart and I thought Hannah would be trying these with me. Um, But I'll say, you know what, Hannah, don't worry. I'll save you one. Today's snack break, we are trying Pop-Tarts, Eggo Pop-Tarts. They're frosted maple flavor. Now, these actually... Other than they kind of look like egg, like they would be egg flavored, don't sound that bad to me. They are look like a pop tart. They have white frosting and a crisscrossed uh, yellow pattern. That's the color of like egg yolk. Let's give her a smell. She smells like syrup. Let's give her a lick. The lick didn't provide anything. Okay, here I'm gonna take a bite. Um, it's pretty good. I don't mind it. I would eat the whole thing maybe with a, well, I couldn't eat the whole thing, but maybe with a cup of coffee. Tastes like a, I mean, it just tastes like a ego. I mean, they were spot on. Good job. Get me a little swig of sweet tea here. That's not the most Southern thing I've ever said on this podcast. All right. Part two. It'll be me again. Hope you don't mind. Can I please say that this has been the strangest experience and I don't want to ever have to do this again without Hannah? That hopefully you're enjoying this week. Hopefully you can take your mind off the world and the crazy times and listen to me struggle along in this podcast is you may be struggling along in life. I don't know. So it's part two. It's the it's the true crime part. And to go along with the part one, I thought today we would talk about the Delphi Bridge murders, also known as the Snapchat murders. You might have heard of them. So let's just jump right to it before, because I can ramble. Y'all know I can ramble. So we'll just get right into it. 
Abby Williams 13 and Libby German 14 were thicker than thieves. Abigail was described as a quiet girl who dreamed of getting into law enforcement and learning more about forensics. She lived with her mother, Anna, and their cat, Bongo. Liberty, also known as Libby German, was in the primary care of her grandparents and had four other siblings. She was described as smart and outgoing and wanted to become a science teacher. The two best friends attended Delphi Community Middle School in Delphi, Indiana, and the girls were looking forward to a day off on February 13, 2017. And from what I read, it sounded like they had a snow day built into their schedule, like a sn- uh, in case they had a snow day, but it didn't snow, so they had this day off. In Alabama, we don't have that. We have inclement weather days. So like where you have snow days, we have tornado days. Anyway. The girls planned to spend some time outdoors at the Delphi Historic Trail, which was located near the Monon High Bridge. The abandoned railroad bridge sits at 63 feet tall and had become a very popular place to take pictures. In fact, Abby and Libby had set out to do just that. So I'm going to post pictures of this bridge on Instagram, as I do. Hold on one second. Let me silence my phone. The bridge looks very very high it's very long it's like eight over 800 feet long and it's uh, crossing a river and there are no side rails to it it just looks like i mean it's it it would be a great place to take pictures maybe even halloween pictures but yeah go look it up just so you can get an idea and we'll be posting pictures like i said on instagram so the girls had a sleepover the night before and they stayed up late watching a scary movie with libby's sister kelsey Because they stayed up late, they didn't wake up until about 10 a.m., and Libby's dad made them pancakes for breakfast. Which, See, there you go, tying in the snack break. It it wasn't Eggo Pop-Tarts, but they they did have pancakes. So after he leaves for work, the girls ask Libby's grandmother if they can go out to the historic trails, and she said yes, but only if they were able to arrange for someone to drop them off and pick them back up. Hold on, I got Eggo, and let me just get another swig. Sweet tea just hits different, you know? So it is decided that Libby's older sister, Kelsey, will drop them off and her dad, Derek, will pick them up. And there's no set time that Derek would be picking them up. He just planned to call them when he got done with work to let them know he was on his way and they would return to the trailhead. So they got a plan. Kelsey drops the girls off at around 1.30 and they set out for what was supposed to be a fun day of adventure and photography. At 2.05, Libby posts a picture of the bridge on her Snapchat and this is kind of like, almost looks like she's standing at one end of the bridge and um, taking the picture of the length of the bridge. It's a really cool picture, almost black and white. But then at 2.07 p.m., Libby uploads a picture of Abby walking across the bridge, and this would be the last photo of Abby ever taken, as well as the last time anyone had any type of communication with the girls. At around 3 p.m., Derek called Libby to let her know he was ready to pick her up, but he got no answer. So he eventually calls Libby's grandmother to see if she has heard from the girls, and she hasn't. Also, just of note, Abby did not have a cell phone, so it was only Libby that they were trying to get in touch with. But Derek knows it's not like Libby to ignore his text and phone calls, especially when she was expecting him to call. And he parks his car at the historic trails and gets out and starts to search for the girls. 
He reaches a point where the trails intersect and he stops a man dressed in a flannel shirt who is approaching the intersection coming from the 501 trail. And the 501 trail is the trail that the Monon Bridge is on. Derek asked the man with the flannel shirt, did you happen to see two girls up there? And the man replied, no, I didn't, but there, there's a couple on the bridge. And I'm sorry my phone keeps doing that, but my phone is dead and it has to be on a charger, which is right here, and it just has to be close to the microphone. So with no luck in getting in touch with Libby, Derek returns to his car in the parking area, and eventually most of Libby's family shows up in a panic. Um, there was her grandmother, her grandfather, her sister, her aunt, and they all knew that it was not like Libby to return their calls because they had also all been trying to call her. And they were all out there looking for the girls. And after having no success at 5.20 p.m., they call the police finally to report the girls as missing. It takes Libby's grandmother a while, but she's eventually able to get in touch with Abby's mother who is at work and they decide to meet at the police station. Police arrive shortly after that initial missing persons call and a massive search with police and volunteers begins at 6 p.m. So you do have to give the police credit there. That was a very quick turnaround time because the girls were reported missing at 5.20 and the search begins at 6 p.m. And they search tirelessly until 12 a.m. when they call off the search until the next morning. It was dark outside. The terrain was treacherous. God knows if you're walking across that really high bridge with no side rails blind there's going to be even more people missing so that they had to officially call off the search but a lot of people including libby's grandfather stayed out there all night looking for the girls so the search the official search resumes the next morning and the fbi gets involved there's dive teams tons of volunteers and at 12:15 p.m they find the bodies of abby and libby and they find them on the edge of a private property belonging to a man named Ron Logan. They were found in a wooded area next to a creek bed and half a mile east of the bridge. Kelsey German, Libby's sister, recalls that moment because she was actually searching with a group along the bridge when she learned that the bodies had been found. Another searcher had yelled up saying that they had found a shoe. And when they called out what type of shoe it was, Kelsey told them that that was the type of shoe that Libby was wearing. Kelsey was obviously very distraught. Other people in the search crew had to hold her back from running to where the bodies were. That morning, Kelsey had actually packed a bag with blankets and granola bars, thinking that the girls would be found alive. And, you know, it's cold out there. They're probably hungry. They hadn't eaten in 24 hours. And unfortunately, that was not the case. On February 15th at 3 p.m., Indiana State Police and the Carroll County Sheriff's Department hold a news conference confirming that the bodies found Tuesday are those of Liberty and Abigail, and they say the case is being investigated as a double homicide. Now, the police do find Libby's phone near the bodies, and what they find on that phone is chilling, and we don't even know the half of it because they only released very little from, from what is actually on the phone. At some point after that last photo was uploaded to Snapchat, Libby starts to record a video on her cell phone. And initially, the video just shows the girls goofing off, talking about teenage girl stuff. But then they begin to mention a man that they notice on the bridge with them. And at first, they seem to be joking around. But eventually, you can tell that they might have become uncomfortable and were actually taking the video for precaution. So who knows what else is actually on the cell phone like i said the police have not released that information yet but also this just makes me question 
why the killer, because I'm sure the killer in theory could have seen the girls on the cell phone, why he would have been clumsy enough to leave the cell phone at the scene of the crime. The police do eventually release a grainy photograph from that video that appears to be a Caucasian male. His hands are in his pockets. He's walking on the bridge, his head's down. He's walking toward the girls. And it looks like he's wearing blue jeans and maybe a navy jacket or hoodie and some type of hat. And a few days later, the person in this photograph was named the prime suspect in the double homicide. On February 22nd, law enforcement released an audio recording from that video where you can hear the muffled voice of a man saying, quote, down the hill. And that quote is also very infamous with this case. There's a whole podcast on these murders and it's called Down the Hill. And later they released a longer version of the clip where you can hear him say, guys, down the hill. And I'm not even going to pretend to impersonate him. You can go look it up. It's very creepy. And I guess most people assume in this case that in my mind, I'm imagining this person holding a gun to them or a knife and telling them get down that hill right there because under the bridge is where there wouldn't be as many people perhaps so there were two police sketches released in this case state police released an image done by an fbi sketch artist on july 17 2017 and this sketch showed an older looking man with a goatee who was wearing a cap and a hoodie just like the grainy picture from that was a still shot of the video found on Libby's phone and on April 22nd 2019 state police released a new sketch of the suspect one in which the suspect is clean shaven and looks to be much younger than the earlier sketch so that's almost two years between the sketches and they look completely different and the police say that the new sketch takes precedence over the old one and added that the killer who is now thought to be between the ages of 18 and 40 may appear younger than his true age so they're saying basically the reason for this switch up is that they have new information and so they released an updated sketch despite the case receiving immense media attention and thousands of tips there wasn't a whole lot of information being released there still isn't it's very hush hush there were only two reported witnesses. There was the flannel shirt guy that Derek ran into in the trails. He said that he had seen a couple on the bridge, but not the girls. And there was also a woman who commented on a family member's post about the girls saying that she had been on the bridge that day. She said, quote, I even walked all the way across the bridge and back. I only saw a guy when I first got there and another couple once I got on the bridge. I didn't see the girls at all. I also didn't take the trail that leads to the right, only the trail that leads to the bridge. The authorities stayed tight-lipped regarding the details of this case, like I was saying, citing that it was an ongoing investigation. It is an ongoing investigation. But over the past few years, multiple people were considered people of interest. Some were taken in and arrested, not, not necessarily uh, for that reason, but we'll talk about some of those suspects here. So Ron Logan, the girls, if you'll remember, were were found on his property. And the Murder Sheet podcast was able to get a hold of an FBI search warrant, which released new chilling information about the murders. It revealed that the FBI had probable cause to search Ron Logan's property, which I would just assume would be a kind of no-duh anyway, because that's where their bodies were found. 
The warrant also revealed that Logan lied about his alibi to police, noting that he had told investigators that on the day of the murders, a friend had picked him up and driven him to a store between 2 p.m. and 2.30. But according to the warrant, Logan reached out to a family member the following morning on February 14th and asked them to tell the police about his trip the previous day and to say he returned home around 5 p.m. and 5.30 p.m. The family member Logan asked to lie for him, told the police Logan's lie on March 7, 2017, and then two days later admitted he'd lied because Logan asked him to, and he added that Logan had never asked him to lie in the past. So that's very strange, very sketchy, obviously. If you had nothing to do with it, why make all that up? But also, I'm just, like, if you murdered someone on your property and you kind of just left them out in the open there, that doesn't make much sense to me either. A search of Logan's property in March 2017 did turn up a receipt timestamped at 5.21 p.m. from a town 30 minutes from his house, and that makes his return home at the time he reported and his alibi very doubtful. Cell phone data also revealed Logan to be in the Delphi and near the Monenhigh Bridge where the girls went missing on the afternoon of their disappearance. The warrant also state that states that Logan's voice is quote, not inconsistent. <laughs> we love a double negative, so it it is consistent with that of the person in the video that says down the hill. The warrant also released some of the only details we have about the crime scene. It says that the bodies were, quote, or appeared to be, quote, moved and staged, and that, quote, a large amount of blood was lost by the victims at the crime scene. Because of the nature of the victim's wounds, it is nearly certain the perpetrator of the crime would have gotten blood on his person slash clothing. So that's interesting because you would have thought if someone that's walking along, that, that one man that both the flannel shirt guy and the other woman saw, you would think that they would have noticed if he had blood on his clothing, which he most likely did. According to Wish TV, citing the search warrant, two articles of clothing from one of the girls was missing from the scene, and this is leading authorities to believe that they may have been taken as a souvenir. So I imagine a piece of jewelry or, or something like that. Ron Logan pleaded guilty to a charge of being a habitual traffic violator on April 3rd, 2017. He was sentenced to two years in prison, and that sentence was eventually reduced to home detention. Logan has never been publicly named a suspect in Abby and Libby's murders. He's also not been charged in the case. And he died on January 24, 2022 of COVID. So there might be things that we never know about him, but could hopefully if he did do it, we could still prove that he did and get the girls justice. Another possible suspect involves a catfish social, social media account, say that 10 times fast, According to the same search warrant, Keegan, what a name, Keegan Klein is the man being accused of running the catfish account, Anthony underscore shots. Keegan is a heavy set, greasy looking, if I might say so, 27-year-old white male from Peru, Indiana, who is using pictures of a ripped younger male to entice girls into talking with him. He is said to have admitted to talking to Libby German the night before her murder, and they had planned to meet the next day on the bridge. But Keegan said he shared the account's passwords with other people, such as his dad, and told the police that his dad could be a suspect in the girl's murder. 
So Klein is being held in jail after being arrested on separate child porn charges in 2020. Neither he nor his father had been arrested over the killings. So another another suspect that seems very suspect, if you know what I mean. These these next ones, they they just don't they they're not doing it for me, but they were listed as suspects, so I'll tell you them here. There's James Chadwell, who's 43, and he was added as a suspect in 2021 after he was arrested and convicted for luring a nine-year-old girl to his home where he sexually assaulted and strangled her in his basement 20 miles from where Abby and Libby were murdered. The girl, thankfully, survived, and Chadwell is currently serving a 90-year sentence for the attack. In an interview with DailyMail.com in 2021, Chadwell's brother characterized him as, quote, pure evil and more than capable of the Delphi murders. But the authorities have released no official connections between him and the girls' murders. So I think they were just thinking that James Chadwell could be a suspect because he had a violent past and it was very close to where the girls were murdered. Thomas Bruce, a former former pastor, was charged with fatally shooting one woman and sexually assaulting two others at a and if you know what this is, please let me know, at a Catholic supply store in St. Louis, Missouri, in November 2018. A Catholic supply store. I'm just imagining what the shelves look like. Bruce was noted for having a similar stature to the man seen in the Delphi video and also wore similar clothes during his St. Louis crime as the man in the video Libby and Abby took. Indiana police looked into Bruce in connection to the Delphi murders, but no charges have been handed down, and he is currently serving life in prison for the crime he committed. So again, they're just looking at this guy because he kind of fits the bill as far as the look and his, his violent history. Then there's Charles Eldridge. He was arrested in Union City, Indiana in 2019 after he arranged to meet somebody he thought was a teenage child for sex, and he was charged with child molestation and was also linked to the Delphi murders because of his strong resemblance to the man in the Delphi video and to the initial preliminary police sketch investigators had circulated of the suspect. But remember, that initial sketch isn't who they believe it is anymore, that the the new sketch, the most updated sketch, it's a younger man, clean-shaven. Police have also ruled that Eldridge is not a suspect, so... The last one, John, no, two more, sorry. John Miller, 63, was arrested in 2018 for the 1988 cold case rape and murder of eight-year-old April Tinsley. Miller lived two hours from Delphi at the time of his arrest, and in the years before his arrest, Miller had left numerous notes in public places saying the killer of Tinsley would strike again. He left a note that said, quote, I killed eight-year-old April Marie Tinsley, and I will kill again. And that note was found in 1990 so i think it's kind of a stretch to say that he waited until 2017 to keep that promise and no charges have been issued against miller in relation to the delphi case all right now last guy daniel nations he is a registered indiana sex offender and he was arrested in colorado in september of 2017 after threatening hitchhikers not hitchhikers just your old regular standard hikers Um, he was threatening them with a hatchet And it's also reported that a cyclist was murdered on the same trail around the same times Nations was threatening the hikers. 
Nations was connected to the Delphi murder because of the similarities between the crimes and because he bore a strong resemblance to the preliminary police sketch of the Delphi suspect. But again, police have since cleared Nations as a suspect. So if you're asking me, it's a strong lead for Logan or old Greasy Keegan. They have, they look the most suspect. The families of the girls are obviously still reeling from this tragedy. Mike Patty, Libby's grandfather, is quoted as saying, This is what you wake up with every day. It's the last thoughts before you go to bed. And some nights I still don't sleep. For three months I didn't sleep. And I'm not going to sleep until I know another family won't have to go through this like we are right now. This is not a cold case, thankfully. Investigators are still actively searching for Abby and Libby's killer or killers. And anyone with information, the police are asking you to call the Delphi Homicide Tip Line at 844-459-5786. But tips can also be emailed to Abby and Libby Tip, that's all one word, at C-A-C-O-S-H-R-F dot com. So I I know nothing. I wish I did because I'd give them a call. If you do uh, and you're able to assist the the police in this search i'm sure they would appreciate it so that that was the episode with just me how'd it go i guess it went okay again talking to myself it's the strangest thing i've ever done i I did not i did not enjoy doing this alone and i'm very thankful for hannah but don't worry we'll be back next time hannah included as we bring you more scary stuff, scary tales, you can follow us on Scary Tales Podcast. I'll release pictures from this week's episode. And thank you guys so much for listening. I know that was probably, I know you're probably missing Hannah. We love her. We sure do. All right. Say it with me. Uh, bye-bye. <laughs>